All right. Well, good morning. Not rhetorical. There we go. There we go. It's good to be with you. Um, I got to say my connections with uh, free Methodist life and Arlington Woods in particular uh, go back a long way. And I'm, I'm a blessed man because of the impact that this church has had over the years and different people in this church and a lot of the camps that, uh, that we're celebrating here uh, this morning as well. Uh, Cliff and I did hang out together, um, but the story is, is that um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, and uh, Mr. Uh, Merle Sinclair somehow decided to give me a job at Canada Post, and, um, and I worked there for a year, and uh, I met this guy named Cliff. And the two of us, along with another gentleman too, by the way, but the two of us, I think we would say we, we found or we, we heard a call into ministry together um, at, that, uh, at that warehouse, uh, counting stamps night after night after night after night, and so on. And, and Cliff went his direction, and I went my direction, and it's been uh, just neat to watch the journey he's been on. And... Um, and, uh, and see what God has been up to through that. Uh, I go back to Arlington Woods a lot of years. My uncle George and Aunt Edith Duncan uh, kind of hang out here for a while. I, I actually lived with them for a year, and it was right around the time the sanctuary was being built, and listening to Uncle George talk about how great it was going to be, and simultaneously wondering how you are going to pay for it. Uh, he was a treasurer here for a number of years, and, uh, and those, were, those were good years. In fact, my, my first Sunday coming to this church, uh, I lived with them for a year, and I showed up here the first Sunday. I was met at the door by, uh, uh, by Coach uh, Walter Sweetman. I don't know if Walter's still here or not, but... Oh, here you are, Walter. Uh, Walter met, met me at the door. I don't know if you remember this or not, but I'm the one with the microphone, so I get to tell the story the way I remember it. Um, but he met me at the door, and at the time I was like 19 or something, and I was playing hockey at a reasonable level. And he met me at the door, and he says, You're Joey. And I says, Yeah. He goes, You're coming to this church this year. And I said, yeah, I guess so. And he goes, that's good, because that means you have to play for our hockey team. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and we had a good time. I think we actually got a trophy that year. So it was very exciting uh, to do that. But my time, time with this church is awesome. I, I'm, I'm such, it's such a privilege to be here. Uh, my son, Sammy, actually got to do a summer uh, co-op or whatever you call it here a few years ago. He's doing well, by the way. Those of you who remember him, uh, uh, your church had a, a big impact on his life. His first sermon he ever preached was here. And uh, he told us, um, I don't want you here, mom and dad. Like, you're going to make me too nervous. So I respected him and didn't come. My wife came and kind of, I think she hid behind one of those pillars so she wouldn't see her. She wanted to hear him preach. And he's doing well. He's living in Windsor. Um, he's working for African Inland Mission. And he's working for a ministry called uh, Matthew House, where they help new uh, immigrants into Canada kind of assimilate and so on. And, so, and he's getting married in May. So uh, we're excited to welcome uh, a wonderful young lady who loves Jesus more than she loves him into our family. And that makes us very, very, very happy. And so, uh, so yeah, so things are going well. As far as camps go, I got to tell you, like, I'm, I'm with Camp Kareth. You know, that, that's, that's my home team. And uh, we're all about it. But um, the camps in this, in this room and around this place that have such an impact on me, I can remember uh, going to Wesley Acres as a child. Uh, Aunt Edith, I think, convinced my parents that they were supposed to go there. And, and we went there as one of the first couple years that the place kind of existed. Um, which dates me, but I remember sitting in the, uh, the big top, the big tent, 
and the wood chip paths. I don't know if they still have those or not, but, uh, and we'd sit there night after night after night, and, and, uh, and the guys would just preach and preach and preach. And I, I remember as an 11-year-old going to camp, sitting in the little wooden pews, and there was this, um, this um, older gentleman, uh, and I just remember that he was a, kind of an old fat guy, you know, and uh, I'm not going to tell you his name because that wouldn't be fair now. But uh, he was preaching the gospel, man. And back then, preaching the gospel meant you don't want to go to hell. Get down to the altar. You know, that was the gospel back in the 70s. And, and I just remember going, like, I go to church. I do what my parents say. I think I own a Bible somewhere. Like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm good. And by Thursday night, August uh, 17th, 1979, I remember just getting up and, and walking down that wood chip path and, 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 you know, kneeling at an altar because that's what he told me to do. And I remember once I got there, I'm like, I'm here, now what? You know? And then I felt the, the awkward yet loving uh, hand of my counselor on my back because somehow he knew that he was supposed to come and, and pray with me, right? And as an 11-year-old boy, I don't know what's going on. I just know I don't want to die and go to hell, Right? Uh, I want to get into this relationship with Jesus. And, and, and my counselor, he prayed with me. And, and I could say, you know, uh, as far as my testimony goes, that's what I look to as a time where, where I crossed over from darkness into light and uh, death into life and, and so on. And, and, uh, and the journey continues. I, I remember uh, a little bit older as a teenager, it was a winter echo, um, Corey, uh, that we were talking about earlier, but I played hockey a lot and church life kind of got in the way of my hockey. That was kind of my uh, shamed of myself testimony. Uh, but uh, God, uh, God was faithful. And I remember one time my parents, uh, you know, we came home from school on a Friday and they, they were like, get in the car. And I'm like, where are we going? Just get in the car. And I'm pretty sure we ended up in this parking lot and we got in someone else's van and, um, and got driven up to this camp in the middle of nowhere and up and down these roads and all around. It was pitch dark and, uh, and it was Echo Lake Camp and I had a great time. And it was sort of the first time of many years of, of going to camp in the winter and the spring and the summer and the fall and and, um, and uh, eventually being able to do some uh, leading of, of teams and so on, and just having a wonderful time. And probably at that camp is a place where, where I really, for the first time, was faced with this lordship issue, you know? And what does it really mean to make Jesus your Lord? I, I get the, the Savior part, I get the pray the prayer, and you get to go to heaven part, but what does it really mean to make him your Lord? And, and is he going to be Lord uh, with taking priority over different areas of your life, including sports, including relationships, and so on and so forth? And so I have very warm and fond memories of Echo Lake and the ministry there. And I could tell you stories pretty much about all these camps because the, the thing that these camps have in common, and I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't ask me that last question. I didn't realize it was a financial question. <laughs> I was like, we all tell people about Jesus. It's awesome, you know? So I would have lost my money either way. So whatever. Um, if you've got your Bibles, I hope you do. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to spend a little bit of time there, and then we're going to go to Matthew, and, um, and then we'll see, see where the Lord takes us this morning. In 1 Kings 17, uh, verses 1 to 7, uh, I'll read it uh, for us, and then we'll make a few comments and see how it goes. Uh, verse, uh, we're there. Okay, good. Uh, I think we have it up on the slide, too, there. Yeah. Uh, verse uh, 1 says this. Now, Elijah, uh, the Tishbite of Tishbe, in Gilead, said to Ahab, 
As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, spelled Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I, that I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Excuse me. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went, lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And we see this story of Elijah. And it seems, I don't know what was going on in Elijah's world, but it seems like ministry exhausted him a lot. And I don't know if anyone here can relate. <laughs> me, just me. But ministry is exhausting. Following Jesus in a fallen world is exhausting. It's hard, you know. Especially if you're like me and you tend to think, I've got a burst of energy, I'll just go do something for God because I am a talented person and I can do something good on my own, on my own strength. And then whether, the, uh, whether what I try to do is successful or not, you always end up exhausted because you're doing it on your own strength. Now, I don't know if that was Elijah's case, but he certainly was tired a lot. And he needed a lot of supernatural help. And of course, I think God puts Elijah's story into Scripture and, and puts it in his story in front of us because he recognizes that we are living in a world where if we're going to follow God, if we're going to engage in spiritual warfare, which is really what this is all about, it is exhausting. And so God would, would in the rhythm of Elijah's journey, we see it a few times in, in, his, in his story, God would take him and he would pull him aside and we'd just say, just sit here and rest for a bit. Okay? I just want you to rest. And in this story, he says, I want you to rest, and while you're resting, I'm actually going to feed you. Okay? I was talking to a couple of guys um, uh, last week. They're thinking about uh, renting our camp for a, a family camp. And it was two men. No offense, men, but we're a little dense sometimes when it comes to these things. I'm just going to say, okay? And they're like, well, what it would it cost for us to bring our families and for the weekend you would feed us and we'd have a good time and, and so on and so forth? And I said, it would cost you X. And they're like, oh, okay. And then we talked about some other things and then they circled back and they said, well, what would it cost if, if like we just brought all our own food and we prepared all our food ourselves, you know? And I said, well, it would cost you X minus, but it would probably also cost you a lot of money in the marriage therapy afterwards. Because what kind of husband and father says to their wives, guess what, we're saving a few bucks and you get to cook for us all weekend. <laughs> you know, like that sounds like a wonderful family camp to me. So anyway, they're still thinking about their options. They're praying about it. <laughs> I'll just call their wives and we'll lock up this contract, right? <laughs> but, but here's what God's doing, and, and this, is, this is God. He says, Elijah, come and rest. And while you rest, I want, I want, to, just, I want to minister to you. And isn't it interesting that the ministry that God, that's being referred to here is a physical ministry? So he comes down to this brook, and he drinks the water. And this, by the way, of course, this is sort of the verse that we uh, get our name, Camp Kareth. We know it's pronounced Kareth, not Cherith, because if you go to the 84 NIV version, it's spelled K-E-R-I-T-H, and that just gives us our clue. That was the first thing I had to figure out when I started working at this camp. How do you actually pronounce the name? So there you go. It's Kareth spelled Cherith. And, uh, and, but, but 
what's happening here is as he's tired, he's coming, and, and the, all of a sudden he can drink from the water, the brook, careth, the ravens come and feed him. And, so, uh, and then as he's refreshed now, he's told it's time to go and get back into the, into the battle. And I just think that is a picture of, of many camps. The heart of camps, and, and again, it's kind of this, we're here, there's all kinds of excitement. Uh, the, the team has done a great job preparing this, uh, this uh, morning for us, uh, and it's great. But the, what, what our heart is, is as, as people come to camps, it, whether it's whatever camps out there or any other camp that, that lifts up the name of Jesus and proclaims the gospel, these camps, they come and the kids are having a great time and the parents come and they're having a great time. Sometimes the rest, by the way, is the parents dropping the kids off. I had a mom drop off three of her teenage kids one time for our youth camp. And I introduced myself and we had a little chat and, uh, and I started trying to explain to her what, you know, what was going to be happening to her kids because it was her first time there. And she goes, you can do whatever you want with them. <laughs> Just do not call me. <laughs> So I'm like, got you. <laughs> I feel your pain. And she went away and maybe had the rest that she needed. But this is the heart of what we're doing, is finding this rest. And, and we know that, that God uses creation in a special way um, to care for his created. I, I'm amazed as I walk around our camp property, and I know all the camps are, are, are the same in this way. It's just a beautiful place to be in God's creation. And as you walk around creation, you look up at the stars, or you look at the sun going down, or occasional rainbow that pops out, and, and the beauty of all that goes on in creation. Or you look at that junior high boy that catches his first fish, you know? And, and just the, the joy of creation. And, and I'm, I'm amazed because God in creating us, would have been well within his rights to simply say, here's four walls, there's a bed, you know, and that's grace, because I'm actually creating you. But he put together this incredible creation. And as we, as we get into creation, we see the, the power that that has in the lives of people. We have families that have come, whether they're having a tough time maritally, or whether they're having a tough time with their kids, or whether they're just tired. And they come and they say, camp has been a place of healing for me and for my family. And so the prayer of the camp is that, is that as you come, that it will be a place of healing. A place where within the context of creation, you can experience something that is needed for the heart and for the soul. Now we understand as we move to Matthew chapter 11, we understand that Elijah's story in much of the Old Testament was really just a, a teaser for what's coming. A little foreshadowing, a little here we go, you know, kind of like when, when, uh, when we came up here as camp directors to, you know, silly me thinking it would just be a nice time of honoring us for our wonderful work, but no, out come the squeaky toys. I should have known something was coming, you know, and, and having some fun with that. When you look at the Old Testament, so much of it is God saying, here's, here's part, but more is coming, right? And so when Jesus shows up, Jesus comes and he says to us, and he says to us, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burnt out on religion, even? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. 
Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. At Camp Careth, one of our, our key um, statements that we have is that we want to be a place where people discover Christ within the context of his creation. A couple years ago, I don't know if it happened here or not, it was, it was common out in Lanark and some of the other camps, it was a thing called um, COVID. Did that, was that something here? Was that a thing? Here too? Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and so in the summer of 2020, COVID kind of went boom, and uh, camps went whoo. And uh, the OCA would say that 40% of the camps, all camps, not just church camps, actually uh, went under and, and won't be coming back uh, financially. Uh, it was a huge hit to the camp industry, and, and we were no different. And I remember sitting on, uh, on the porch with, <laughs> with um, a few of our board people, and we're going, well, do we just shut the place down? And we had these uh, Canada summer job students, and we were basically told if you don't hire them, you, won't get, <laughs> you might not get funding the next year. So we got, we got these students. We don't have any camps. What do we do? We're basically, you know, and, uh, you know we're basically bankrupt. And honestly, you know, financially, most camps operate on a, a simple budget. You know, we bring in fees for camp. We need to double that in order to actually make our... So we're dependent heavily on donations. So now we're heavily on donations. We're asking people to donate to a camp that doesn't exist. <laughs> and, uh, and we have no camp fees. And we're sitting there going, well, what do we do? And we basically came up with a strategy. We'll just rent out whatever we can, wherever we can. We'll just do our best. And then we're going through and we're cleaning out all of our inventory and trying to sell things. <laughs> we'll sell off whatever we don't need. You know, the stuff that just sort of sits around. We found about five or six old canoes and we put them on Kijiji. And these people came and they bought these canoes and whatever, you know. And, but one family in particular, they showed up. And, um, and I didn't know who they were. They just replied to the ad, and they drove in, and they got the canoe, and they were strapping it down. While they were strapping it down, their, one of their kids went and, and started running around the camp with, with my daughter. And uh, so after we finished all that, I'm like, well, let, let me show you around the camp. We've got to find your kid anyway. <laughs> like, where they're not staying, you know? <laughs> anyway, uh, we do love kids at camp. Anyway, uh, and so uh, we started walking around, and as... as in, at our camp, when you kind of walk around one building, there's this cross that we have, you know, um, that kind of sits down by the water. And we're kind of walking down the road, and I'm talking to them. They have no idea where they are, right? They just responded to an ad about a canoe. And the mothers, you know, I could just feel that she was just bothered by something, you know? And we're kind of walking around. We come around the building, and, um, and there's a cross. And she just stops. And she goes, I knew it. I knew God was here right? And, uh, and then she started unloading all of the heaviness of her life. And long story short, her family came back and rented a cabin a, a couple weeks later, and we had a wonderful weekend of just talking about Jesus and talking about how it is that true rest can only be found in him. We live in a world right now, in a time and a place, at least this society, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but we talk a lot about self-care, we talk a lot about sort of managing our, 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 what we do and how we do it and, and making sure we're okay. And that sounds good to me. Like, we, we need to kind of take care of ourselves. But it, there's, a, there's a concept in Scripture that Jesus gives us, and the concept is simple, simply this. Eternal rest comes when we discover Christ within the context of his creation. All other rest, all other care, all other, other anything is temporary. 
But if somehow we can plug ourselves into this idea that true rest is found in Christ. And I don't just mean like one time an 11-year-old boy at an altar with wood chips, you know, and a counselor praying a prayer. I don't mean that kind of rest, although that's a starting place. That's a place of, of becoming justified, becoming a, a, a follower of Christ. But as we walk on this journey, we have these opportunities to say, am I going to be someone who says, someday I will die and go to heaven? Until then, I'm just going to slug away here on earth and do my best? Or am I going to be one of those people that says, I want Jesus Christ care. I want Jesus to be the one who provides the care for me. When the rhythms of life come at us, I want to be so engaged and so in tune with my Savior that somehow his presence is enough to not just get me through, but to allow me to be more than just that. To take on the challenges, the spiritual challenges of this world. And so when you think about coming to camp or praying for camp or sending your kids to camp or making a donation to camp or just thinking about camp ministry in general, I'm not here to sell you on camp, you know? I'm just here to say, hey, as you're praying for us, you know, remember the unique ministry that camp has, an opportunity for people to come out into creation, to get away from the, the world, and to spend a little bit of time being ministered to, which is why well, I think it was uh, Eli here who mentioned camp food, was it? Yeah. I love how you said that. Um, I'm sure Camp Iowa has great food. I've been there, and they've served me some good, some good meals. It's all good. Um, so many camps really do are concerned with feeding kids well. And, you know, the, the business side is simply this. If they're happy with, you know, in their bellies, then they're going to be able to hear about God more, you know, and we want, we want them happy that way. But here's the thing. It resembles the ministry of, of, of God, going back to Elijah, right? I'm going to take care of you so I can take care of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of what you think you need right now so I can give you what you really need. Isn't that a wonderful God? I'm going to bring you out into creation. You're going to look up at the stars, and you're going to feel what you need, and then we're going to give you what you really need, that relationship with Jesus. Last story, and we'll pray, and, and then we'll be done. At least I will. Um, We've got students, of course, we're all hiring, we're desperately, if you're praying for camps, pray for staff. We are desperately looking for staff. Um, we've, got con we've got contracts to, to fill. It is really hard to find uh, people to work. If you want to come and volunteer, I don't care how old you are, I guarantee you there's a camp in this room that could use you for at least a week this summer, and I am talking to everyone. Retired or not, I'm talking to you, okay? Anyway, we have this wonderful staff a couple summers ago, and one of the girls we had came to help out and um, she was kind of in a journey in her walk with God, and, and, and um, she was having this debate. Let's just call it some apologetics were going on in the uh, staff uh, uh, room where we were sitting and talking. And I was just listening to the students go back and forth on, you know, um, the merits of God, and does he really exist, and, and so on and so forth. And if he does, can he be known? And, and all these wonderful little young adult uh, apologetics, you know. Lee Strobel would have been proud. Uh, Josh McDowell might have rolled his eyes a bit. But it was all good. You know, they were going for it, doing their best. And, and then I had to shut her down because I had to get them to bed. And, and so, of course, you send them off to bed, and I do my last little loop. And, and as I'm walking back up to where my cabin is, this girl who was quite uh, opposed to the idea of God, um, she's just standing there in the middle of this field. I kind of walk over to her, kind of about to say, hey, 
you know, get to bed. But um, as I walked up to her, I, I kind of sensed something was going on. I said, so what's going on? She goes, I, I can't get over all these stars. Like, it's, it's, I can't stop looking, you know. And I said, yeah. And I stood there with her for a minute. And I just kind of went, tell me again that part about there being no God. And she's like, yeah. I go, let's, let's have a visit on my porch tomorrow, you know. And off to bed she went, and the next day we sat and we had a good conversation. Not about, you know, the merits of an argument one way or the other, but the experience of a true God that puts stars in place so that this young lady can understand how much he loves her and uh, the relationship that she could have with her. That is the heart of camp. We do a lot of crazy things because we want your children and your youth and you and your families to know Jesus and to raise families that know Jesus and I am thankful for the ministry that camp has had for me. I'm thankful for Wesley Acres. I'm thankful that uh, I get to live my life and raise my kids to know Jesus. And I'm thankful for camps. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time in your word. Thank you that you ministered to Elijah. And God, that you sent your son to minister to each one of us. God, I don't know where everyone's at in this room today, where their families are at, where their marriages are at, where their kids are at. But God, I pray that they would uh, be determined to come to you again and find rest. And God, thank you that you give us so much more than what our bodies need, but Lord, what our spirit needs. And so God, thank you for being faithful. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.